Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Stochastic NHL Strategy Show, sponsored by Prize Picks. On your way in, smash that like button, hit that subscribe, get that notification button to get alerts when our shows go live. I am your host, Josue, or as Doug likes to call me, Boy Wonder. Not sure about that. Uh, bald Wonder, maybe. But joining me, as always, Slim Cliffy, how was your weekend? Oh, pretty good weekend. Um, can't really complain uh, a whole lot. Um, got to, I didn't really, I mean, I didn't really do a whole lot this weekend. I was just watching hockey, basically. Uh, caught a couple movies that I've been meaning to see. Went to go see uh, Scream 6 on Saturday, which was excellent. So if anybody is kind of on the fence, maybe uh, you're a horror fan, uh, I would absolutely recommend going to see Scream 6. I thought it was a really good kind of bridge to the new generation trying to get away from the old one but uh we're not here to uh talk about scream six though i would talk about it for an hour if they if if you know stochastic wants to pay me to do that i will absolutely um talk about scream six for an hour but um i guess we should touch on the fantasy hockey world championship on saturday or sunday um for anybody that that may not pay attention to you know the minutia dfs every day um the Fantasy Hockey World Championship was Sunday night, the one held by DraftKings. Sunday night for Fantasy Hockey World Championship is weird enough as it is. The problem was there were six games, and I think 10 of the 12 teams or nine of the 12 teams were on the second of a back-to-back. So there was absolutely no information for those teams until warm-ups. Half the game started after lock, and there was no late swaps. So 
I think 20% of the field ended up with a player that didn't play that night. <laughs> so it was a pretty big uh, disaster all around. Uh, Nerdy Tenor took down first place. You guys might uh, know, you know, uh, recognize that name if you play DFS, you know, not only hockey, but elsewhere. Um, so congrats to him. They got to do better next year, man. Uh, like, obviously I wasn't in it. I'm, you know, I'm here just rooting for the people that I know and my friends that are in it. And it was a complete disaster. Like, I don't know how else to say it. It's clear that whoever organized it had never played a single day of NHL DFS in their lives. Yeah. And our boss, Jake Harry finished 11th with a scratched evangelista. He could have swapped to Tomasino, but like, if it wasn't obvious that DraftKings doesn't give a shit about hockey, I think – like, how, how do you not have late swap? I think someone said that they were worried about collusion. Like, there are ways to have late swap without I mean, collusion. Like, yeah, any other slate. Yeah, there is. I, I mean, it, it's not the no late swap that gets me. It's the doing it on a Sunday and not even looking at the schedule on Saturday to see that – at least three quarters of the teams will not have any information for the players that are playing in your fantasy hockey world championship that night. I think only one goaltender out of the six from the late games was confirmed. And it was John, it was John Gibson. It was John Gibson for some reason. It was never confirmed. Like I said, it's clear whoever scheduled that does not play NHL DFS whatsoever. And, you know, I'm sure everybody had a good time. It's nice to get away for a weekend, nice vacation. Um, you know, you get to meet up with some people you don't see that often. All that's great. The actual contest itself, they have to do a lot better because, frankly, that's embarrassing. Yeah. Sunday night, like, they barely have Sunday slates normally. And they're going right. to throw a fantasy hockey world championship on a split slate with everyone on back-to-back. It's just – it's it's amateur hour over there in DraftKings right now. It's just like – I understand you don't want to do it the same day as NBA, right? But why can't you have NBA on a Friday? Like, there's big NBA slates on Friday. You have these people fly in on Thursday anyway. Have the the, the final on Friday. Have the hockey one on Saturday. You make it like a big camaraderie thing. Then everyone goes out on Saturday night, blacks out, and then everyone flies home on Sunday. I, I don't see how – I mean, listen, I'm not – I, I don't schedule – I would love to be a fly on the wall in some of these DraftKings meetings. Like some of these GPPs that the hockey team, or I doubt they have a hockey team, Jake from State Farm puts out in the lobby. Like I'd love to be a fly on the wall. Like I would love if we could get a meeting in the off season with some of these guys. Cause like someone's got to care about hockey and there's a lot of people who play hockey and like it shouldn't be pulling teeth you know, for one of the four major sports. I, I understand it's not like a top priority with hockey, with NBA, NFL, and, and MLB, but like work with us a little here. We want to grow the game. If you listen to what we have to do or have to say and meet us at least halfway, like we can grow it. But, you know, I don't want to talk too much about it because I'll just go on a rant and uh, we'll never get through these 12 games. So, yeah, 12-game slate tonight, though, a couple four totals. Uh, very nice slate, actually. This is the first time we've had a slate over 10 games, I think, since January. So we should probably get into it here. Um, but, you know, before we do, don't forget to sign up for the Stochastic Hall of Fame by changing your avatar 
on DraftKings and FanDuel. Go to stochastic.com backslash avatar. That's the easy part, right? Then you got to place in the top three of a contest with over 5K contestants, which is almost impossible for NHL because even the Big 15 tonight is only 3,900 contestants. Great job, DraftKings. Then tweet the win to at stochastichof account, uh, or you can email it with your screenshot. Then you win a free month of Stochastic Plus Platinum. There is a weekly Hall of Fame segment. You'll get a shout out in that as well. So just make sure to have the avatar. Uh, it doesn't have to be. It could be any sport, really. You can only win once a year. But if you're qualifying more than once a year, you've made a lot of money. So let's get into this 12-game slate. This is the lowest total I think I've seen the Jets have this season, the Winnipeg Jets, with a 2.3 total heading into Carolina. The Hurricanes have a 3.2 total. Dave Riddich confirmed Freddie Anderson probable. It appears Andre Svechnikov is going to be out for the season. They're fearing he tore his ACL, which is a brutal blow to the Hurricanes. Jesse Pugliarvi going to slide in on the top line there. Pugliarvi's a nice player, but he is nowhere near the level of player Andrei Svechnikov is. This really, really hurts that team here. I, I wasn't going to have too much interest in the Hurricanes here, but with Dave Redich in that, Redick, kind of a pretty big drop-off from Hellebuck. It's one of the bigger ones in the NHL. Now, um, Josh Morrissey is back in tonight, I think. Like, Rick Bounds said he's going to play, but he stayed after state, after morning skate and did some work so he could be a scrap. Like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on over there. But, like, this is a tough matchup for Winnipeg on the road. That... Shifley line is going to get a whole bunch of stall, Fost, Martinuk. I would imagine now that Svechnikov is out. So, I don't know. Like, I don't mind going to Ajo, Puliarvi, Jarvis. I don't think I'm going to make them a priority. But in MME, I think that's a, a filler line that I can get some exposure to. Yeah, I think it's important to note that Yes, while Andrei Sveshnikov is an excellent hockey player, he's a full-fledged top-line scoring winger, um, good defensively as well. Aho and Jarvis, over the last couple of years, have been pretty good no matter who's been on the wing. Obviously, with Sveshnikov, they've been, like, elite. But they were good with Tara Bynan. They were good with Natchez. I think um, Jordan Martinook spent some time there last year um, when he wasn't injured, like, doesn't matter what winger they've had. They played well, like over 700 minutes over the last two years without Svechnikov and still 3.3 goals per 60 minutes of five on five, which off the top of my head is roughly 35% higher than the league average. That's without Svech. So like, they're still really good. The question is what can Pugliarvi do to that line? What can he bring to that line? Right. Um, Obviously, he had a falling out of sorts um, in in Edmonton, and that's why he's with Carolina. Now, the thing with Pugliarvi is, depending on what time frame you look at, there aren't there are good numbers, right? Like earlier in his career, his first like couple full seasons in the league, I think it was sixteen, seventeen, and seventeen, eighteen, or seventeen, eighteen, and eighteen, nineteen. Pretty good zone entry rates, like borderline first line uh, controlled zone entry percentage, which means he was good at carrying the puck into the zone with the puck on his stick and trying to set something up for his teammates. And 
even as he's fallen off these last few years, his shot rate is still pretty good at five on five, like inside the top third of forwards. So like a high end second line rate. So, you know, those zone entries have fallen off the last few seasons, but they were stronger earlier in his career. He has those skills. I was just, I'm just wondering if it was a coaching thing where they just wanted to turn him into a pure four checker and, and not so much of a transition guy. Now, he could become that guy again in Carolina. The question is, can he do it on a top line tonight against Winnipeg? I think given the pricing, you're perfectly fine to play them, right? Like, um, you know, Sveshnikov down to Pugliarvi, you're saving almost $4,000 on DraftKings. So um, where Ajo and Jarvis have a, a pretty good track record of carrying just about anybody that they play with, and Pugliarvi being so cheap, I'm with you. Like, I don't mind playing them as a full three-man unit in this matchup. Riddick's a step down from Hellebuck, but he's still had a good season. And Winnipeg doesn't take a lot of penalties. So they're not a line that I would run out to play. I just think they're perfectly fine. You know, 1% to 2% top two stack, 1% to 2% ownership. I think that's perfectly fine. Um, I would probably play them over the Natchez Terabani Kaniemi line. Um, just because I think people might end up going there out of fear for Pooley and maybe getting moved off the line or something like that. So it would be Carolina one for me, but you know, certainly the top six are definitely in play. I don't have any real interest in Winnipeg um, going into Carolina, you know, losing Sveshnikov hurts, but this is still one of the elite defensive teams in the league. You know, if you want to play some one-off guys from the Jets, I think that's fine. Like a one-off Nita rider at 4,600, I think does make some sense. Full stack in Winnipeg. I don't think there's anything I like here. Yeah, and the one thing that I always keep in the back of my head when playing Pooley is if you look at Connor McDavid's five-on-five numbers the past few years, his best numbers have always been with Pooley So can he replicate that with Ajo and Jarvis? I think so. Like in a one-game sample, I don't know, but he is cheap enough where you can take those those chances to see if he can recapture what he had early in his career in Edmonton. So I, th- I think it's it's worth the gamble at his price. Let's move on to the next one, the Washington Capitals with a 2.7 total heading into New York. The Rangers have a 3.3. Darcy Kemper probable. Igor Shesterkin is confirmed. Rangers have played one game in like a week, and they haven't had practice lines. They haven't had power play lines since they played. Glant just... I don't know. Just kind of doing his thing. They started with Kreider, Trocek, Kopnan, Panarin, um, Tarasenko, Zabanajan, Hedl, Lafreniere, Kane the last game, but then they mixed up the lines later in the game. So I, I honestly don't have a clue what the lines are going to be tonight. Like, I want to take a best guess, but I, I honestly don't know because it's Panarin, Zabanajan, Tarasenko. And then Cry and then Cryer yeah. Trocheck came in the kids line. They that's what that's what it was this morning. That's what it was. I mean, like, okay, like that's fine, but like if that's the case, I don't have too much interest in the Mika Panarin, and Tarasenko line. Like, I I can't tell you I'm like a broken record. Panarin and Zabanajan just don't play well together. They 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 just don't. And then Kreider, Trocheck, um, Kane, like I think that would be the line I would go to. 
it just doesn't excite me that much. And if you want to play the kids, it's fine. But like Gallant always finds a way, no matter how good they're playing. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To play them 13 minutes. So, like, I don't have much interest in this game on either side in 1 to 3. The more the more lineups you make, the more interest I would have in maybe some Ranger stuff. Um, also, don't mind a little bit of Caps uh, power play stuff. Just like you look at Igor's numbers, like he's not having the elite season he had last year. He's still having a very good season. It's just on the penalty kill that he's having issues. And oh, well-owned Ovechkin, I think, can always get there. He's he, he'd be in my one-off pool in MMA. Yeah, I. I do have interest in the top line. Like, yeah, I'm not a fan of Zibanejad and Panarin. I mean, I'm with, I'm definitely with you on that. I am a much bigger fan of Panarin on that line than I was of Kreider, of Kreider, Zibanejad, Tarasenko. Um, Just just because Panarin does bring that playmaking element. And I was looking at Tarasenko's numbers since he got to the Rangers and he basically has, split his time with and without Chris Kreider. It's like 102 minutes with him, 101 minutes without or something like that. When he's playing with, when Tarasenko's playing without Chris Kreider, on-ice shot attempts go up 42% and on-ice expected goals go up 67%. We've been saying it all along. I don't know why they were sticking to Kreider's advantage at and Tarasenko, even though they're playing like absolute dog water. They finally got away from it. And I think, this isn't the lineup configuration I would personally go with, but I do think it's another step in the right direction. And the other thing is the Washington top line, which is going to be this, you know, matchup for Zabanishad Tarasenko, I imagine. They're awful. The Washington top line's one of the worst defensive teams in the league. And that's not hyperbole. You know, granted, they've only played about six or seven full games together, but four and a half expected goals against per 60 minutes of five on five. It's like 90% higher than the league average. It's terrible. And they're allowing just as many goals as they are expected goals. I think it's a pretty good matchup for the, for the Rangers top line. Um, and you even get Zibanejad, uh I think it's Zibanejad and, and Tarasenko on that power play unit with, with uh, Hedl. So honestly, I kind of like Rangers one here. I don't think there's that much separating the top two lines. Like I really don't. And it wouldn't surprise me to see some lineup changes as we go through uh, the games. I just imagine that Zabanjad and Panarin probably end up with more ice time. That's basically what's, you know, making the difference as well as I think it's going to be a much, much better matchup for them at five on five. 
So it's Rangers one for me on the Washington side. Honestly, man, I just don't have a lot of interest. I noticed they said Sonny Milano. Sonny Milano missed practice yesterday. They didn't have morning skate today, but they called up Joe Snively at forward. So I'm assuming Milano's out tonight. Um, if he's out, that's could change up the Washington second and third lines. Um, you know, Oshie and Strom had been playing fine together, you know, shooting percentage way out of control, but, you know, expected goals generation was fine. Like about league average, you know, if you want a one-off TJ Oshie or something like that, I think that's perfectly fine. But uh, like, there's not a lot I'm really interested in stacking on the Washington side here. Like both them and the Rangers are coming in with positive leverage. And I honestly, I would rather play the Rangers side here than the Cavs. Yeah. Well, I guess that makes sense. Like I, I just, on this slate, it's going to be hard for me to prioritize that Rangers line on this slate. But, you know, the more items you make, the more you can get to it. Tampa Bay Lightning with a 3.1 total heading into New Jersey. The Devils have a 3.5 total. Vasilevsky is probable. Vitek Vanacek is confirmed. I don't understand how there's no ownership on this game. I would imagine it comes up throughout the day. Right now, there is under 1% ownership on Tampa 1 here. There is 2% ownership on the Bratt-Hughes-Meyer line, under 1% on the Heischer-Mercer line. Now, the Heischer-Mercer line probably going to go out against Kucherov, Stamkos, and Point. That leaves Hughes, Bratt, and Meyer to go out against, you know, second and third lines here from Tampa, who just frankly have not been that good since, you know, Bratt, Meyer and Hughes were together, or you know, yes, for Bachlist. I've had more interest in playing Heischer and Mercer, but I don't think that's the case tonight. I think my favorite line in this game is Hughes, Bratt, and Meyer. I just we have no idea what the Tampa lines are going to look like. Yeah, Sorelli left the last game halfway through, and that forced them to move Brandon Hagel back up to the top line with Kucherov and Point, and then they moved. Um, then they moved Nick Paul to go play with Stamkos and Kalorn. And they didn't have a morning skate. They had an optional morning skate today, and Sorelli was skating. So I think Sorelli plays tonight. But it's, you know, does he go back to the second line? Um, you know, does Hagel stay on the top line where he basically played the entire first half of the season? You know, Tampa's only won like seven out of their last 19 games. They've been on a little skid here of late. I can't imagine they're going to stick with Stamkos, Point, Kucherov, and just keep getting their brain speed in every night. That's kind of the problem here. We don't know what the matchup is going to look like or what the lines are going to look like for Tampa. What I will say is that it doesn't really matter for me from a New Jersey perspective. Like, it doesn't matter to me if they're matched up against Point and Kucherov or whether they're matched up against, you know, Klorn and Sorelli. To me, it's 1A and 1B as far as a defensive matchup goes for New Jersey. And, I, you know, both the New Jersey lines are are, are well – well within play like yes you know the his year mercer tire line you only have one guy on the top power play unit it's not like this new jersey power plays like edmonton's or something like that right and the new jersey top line even as i try to cut down their sample to see if they're slowing down they're not slowing down 4.9 expected goals for 4.5 actual goals for per 60 minutes over their last 100 minutes together they're just absolutely shredding everybody even without power play time um I kind of wonder if Dawson Mercer might hit a wall here. Um, he had like, what, like 20 points in 10 games or something like that. Something ridiculous like that. Uh, he went pointless in the last game. 
you know, they move Brad back up to the second line. You know, maybe they want to feature that line a little bit more. It makes me a little bit leery of them. But his year, Mercer and Tatar, like, they really remind me of that Calgary, Backlund, Coleman, Mangiapane line, right? Except, you know, Hishier and Mercer might play like 19, 20 minutes where Backlund, Mangiapane typically haven't been playing that, though they've been playing more lately. So I think New Jersey's one's perfectly fine um, as of, you know, that fillery mid-price type stack. Like, there's no ownership on them. I Maybe it comes up a little bit, but people are afraid to play non-power play guys. You'll see that in ownership for line combinations on any given slate. So I think there'll be a lot you know, a little bit more ownership on, on New Jersey too. They are really expensive though. And I do think, you know, ice time is a little bit of a concern. Like is Jesper Brack going to play like more than like 17 or 18 minutes? Is he going to stay on that line all game? I think those are fair questions. Um, but they have been generating a lot, you know, Brad and Timo in limited time together. Um, you know, Meyer has 19 shots in his last five games. So obviously he's keeping up his shooting pace. I think the devil's top two lines are perfectly fine here. Um, you know, the Tampa Bay penalty kill has been pretty bad. So I think I would lean to New Jersey too, just to get more power play exposure. But I wouldn't say just because there's only issue on the top power play unit on the top line that to not play them. I still think they're so good at five on five and Tampa's not, you know, they haven't been awful, but they haven't been, you know, stout defensively for, you know, the last several weeks now, if Hagel's on the top line that they weren't playing well defensively before they were broken up. Um, you know, the second line wasn't playing well defensively either. I think that's kind of why they switched lines, but it's not like it's been working. They've been getting their brains beat in lately. So um, we'll have to kind of wait and see what the Tampa lineup looks like. I'll say immediately, I don't have any interest in whatever Tampa one is. If it ends up point Kucherov, Hagel or something like that, the history to tire matchup is just a brutal, brutal matchup. They've been really, really good defensively all season long. So if anything, it would be Tampa 2. We just don't know what Tampa 2 is going to look like, so we'll have to see what warm-ups bring us. Yeah. I mean, Sorelli has improved a lot offensively this season. Defensively, he's fallen off, but, yeah, maybe a little Sorelli is in the works for tonight. Vegas Golden Knights with a 3.4 total heading into Philadelphia. The Flyers have a 2.6 total. Johnny Quick, probable. Felix Sandstrom, confirmed. I mean, like, I don't know, man. This game just gives me the heebie-jeebies. I, I, I guess the Eichel line is fine. Like, these power play units are just atrocious. Not that this is a you know, elite power play spot. It's a pretty good one. Not a great one. I guess you can go to the Eichel line here. Uh, I, I guess. On the flyer side, I, I think like there, I kind of prefer the flyer side here, but I don't know if I'm going to full stack anything just because one, it's the flyers, two, it's the flyers, and three, John Tortorella is coaching the flyers. So you don't know if these lines are going to stick together. So maybe you, you go with some pairs here. Like Vegas has been awful defensively. They've been bailed out by Quick, which is a weird sentence to say. But like Quick has been very, very good in his limited time in Vegas. So I, I think I like the flyer side here. I don't like either side. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be very honest with that. Like I-, I talked about this on Twitter this morning. It's been 24 games since Mark Stone got hurt and the Vegas Golden Knights have scored four power play goals since 
four power play goals in 24 games. I'm pretty sure the Oilers have a, a game this season where they've scored 24 goals. And Vegas has scored four over the last almost third of a season. They're just not generating anything on the power play. And the problem with that is, is they're scoring at five on five because they are generating at five on five. Now, the problem with that is, is five on five ice time tends to be pretty spread out, right? Um, you know, that's one of the reasons why we do like using power play guys is because you, you know, if there's one power play unit that's focused for ice time, it's only three or four forwards getting all that ice time with Vegas. You have seven or eight and all of it is pretty much meaningless. Right. So then I, but you know, that's basically the case. The power play times are relevant. Like you're adding some shots on goal, maybe, um, so then you're relying on the five on five ice time. And the problem with relying on five on five ice time, like I said, is that it tends to get pretty spread out uh, amongst all your players because you're not just focusing on one line, like unless you're, um, you know, uh, Edmonton or something like that. Um, you know, I was just looking basically since the all-star break to see what Vegas's, um, you know, five on five ice times had looked at. And basically their entire top nine is within three minutes of each other, right? So like if they're playing relatively the same at five on five and the power play time doesn't matter because they suck so much with it, why am I playing them? You know what I mean? So like, yeah, I I guess it's fine to play them because there's not much ownership, but I don't have a ton of interest in hoping Jack Eichel and Ivan Barbashev can score three goals at five on five here tonight. You know what I mean? So, like, one-off Marcheseau, I think, is fine. Amadio still getting, you know, top power play minutes, even though it's not really worth anything. So, I guess that's fine. Riley Smith is getting some decent ice time. Like, he's fine. I, I just don't have interest in stacking anything because you're. I think you're really relying on this team getting their all-even strength, and that's really hard to do in the modern NHL, even if you're playing the Philadelphia Flyers, who, by the way, haven't really been terrible defensively. Not great, but not, you know, absolutely god-awful. So then I look at the flyer side, and you brought up all the problems with, you know, line changes. I, something else I mentioned on Twitter was how well Fairby, Tippett, and Frost have been playing, and then Fairby gets yeeted to the second and third lines. For what reason, I don't know. The top line was outplaying and outscoring their opponents and had been for several games. Like, I, it's Tortorella, man. So you don't know if the lines are going to stay together. The lines that they have haven't been playing that well. Neither of the line, neither of the top two lines that they have have. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
uh, and expected goals for over 2.7, which is slightly above league average. So they're slightly above league average or worse. Honestly, man, I have no interest in stacking either side of this game. And if it burns me, it burns me. I, I mean, I just, you know, I'm not going to full stack flyers here, but like, I don't mind a little one-off here and there. of like a tippet, a little expensive there. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Like tippet would be the guy for me. As we mentioned off the hop here, we are sponsored by prize picks and you can get one free month stochastic plus platinum, which is $120 value by the way. And up to a hundred dollar deposit match bonus when you sign up and make a deposit at Prize Picks. Click the link in the description below. You can get those that deal to daily prop based contest. No sharks. You can go up to a six pack of picks. You can go cross sports as well with NBA tonight. Um, just looking at the Prize Picks board here, Connor McDavid. If he's going to be in the goal section, you might as well just bet. Over half a goal for Connor McDavid. He's having an unbelievable season. Might as well just do that. Uh, also, looking through some save stuff here. There just really isn't. Maybe Elias Sorokin over 28 and a half saves. Isles are just a dump truck defensively, and he's always been bailing him out. So Elias Sorokin over 28 and a half saves. And the good part about that. With the price picks, is if you do get that free month stochastic plus platinum, you get a tool that we use that Cliffy always reminds me to bring up on the screen uh, the daily shop prop tool. Uh, it goes through all that stuff. You'll get that with the one free month stochastic plus platinum, which helps a lot with price picks and, you know, frankly, sports betting. But if you're in a state that you can't sports bet, price picks is the, is the way for you. Logan Couture's my pick for tonight for prize picks. There were the Logan projections Couture. at nearly yeah, Logan or his projections at nearly three point four for that shot prop uh player tool. Yeah. And so I think betting them over on two and a half, not a bad little deal here on prize picks tonight. So Couture over two and a half, shots on goal, Connor McDavid to score a goal, and Ilya Sorokin over twenty eight and a half uh twenty six and a half saves. So those are the prize picks. Jake might have something up on his Twitter, so make sure to check out that fish's Twitter at Jake Hari. And uh you can just tell him you suck. Or just tell him I feel bad that you know you played Evangelista and he was scratched. Mind you, after that he played 16 minutes and was on top power play one on Saturday. Good job, DraftKings. Let's move on to the next one. Montreal Canadiens with a 2.5 total heading into Pittsburgh. The Penguins have a 4.1 total. Dikembe Montembeau is confirmed. Tristan Jari also confirmed here. Pittsburgh going with Crosby, Rust, and Gensel. Second line of Evgeny Malkin, Jason Zucker, Alex Nylander, the other Nylander. And then the third line of Drew O'Connor, Ricard Raquel, and Mikhail Granlin. Okay. Like, and on top of that, on top of that, they're sending out the Malkin line against Topcom. Not that it's a huge deal tonight, but the Crosby Gensel Rust line is probably going to get Gurianov, Hoffman, Drew N. And the, the, like Pittsburgh, very chalky here tonight. Montreal back to back on the road after getting smoked by the Avs. Like obviously, Pittsburgh one is heavily in play here. I just don't know if I want to play a line that's over twenty percent on 
a 12-game slate. So I think this is – like this in the Ottawa-Edmonton game, I think are – and then, you know, maybe Columbus-San Jose are, are kind of the crux of this slate. Because Montreal changed its lineup during the game last night and went back to Josh Anderson, Nick Suzuki, and Raphael Harvey-Pignard as the top line. Um, that top line for Montreal has been exceptionally good. And I don't mean like just exceptionally good for Montreal. I mean, exceptionally good in general, 120 minutes together, which is like 10 or 11 full games at five on five. They're at 3.8 expected goals for, for 60 minutes. League average is about 2.5. So they're about 50% higher than the league average. Uh, scoring 4.9 goals per 60 minutes. Now they're shooting 16%, which is why they're scoring 4.9. Um, but, you know, even if they're shooting like 10 to 11%, they're still scoring well over three goals per 60 minutes, right? And they're just generating a lot when they're on the ice. And it, that's something that's happened since Cole Caulfield got hurt, is that Suzuki and Josh Anderson have actually been pretty good at generating offense since Caulfield left the lineup. Um, and Suzuki and and Harvey Pinard have been pretty good at generating offense since Caulfield left the lineup. And I don't like, again, I don't mean adjusted for Montreal. I mean, when you're just looking at other really good offensive teams, something I mentioned in our discord since the all-star break, this Pittsburgh Penguins team is giving up more goals and more shots against per minute than Montreal is. So like, yeah, I, you know, Pittsburgh's obviously the much better team here. But I'm seeing almost no ownership on the Montreal side of things. The top line of Harvey Pinard, Suzuki, and Caulfield is probably going to be like 1% on them. And they're going to get a shutdown matchup of 36-year-old Evgeny Malkin and Alex Nylander, who's a career AHLer, and Jason Zucker. Even when they had Ricard Raquel there, their defensive numbers weren't that great. Um, you know, their defensive numbers aren't that great you know, even, you know, w- with or without him. So I'm not anticipating this being a tough matchup for that top Montreal line. I honestly don't mind Montreal one here. Like they do have a two and a half total. It's higher than Winnipeg. It's higher than Chicago. And it's a, only a third of a goal behind um, Arizona and the Islanders. So like, yeah, they're at the bottom. I imagine that those guys are going to play 19 to 22 minutes and they've been playing really well. Honestly, I don't hate that Montreal top line here tonight, but obviously this game is about the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, with that Pittsburgh second line going to Montreal's top line, it's not really a mad, bad matchup for Pittsburgh too because the Montreal top line does get, you know, they are trading chances. That's why they are generating so much offensively because they're trading chances. So it's not a bad matchup for Pittsburgh too. But Crosby, Rust, and Gensel are going to be going into the second and third lines for Montreal. <laughs> And as much as I might gush about the top line, there's nothing there in the second and third lines in Montreal. Um, Druin and Hoffman um, are over 80 minutes together playing without Josh Anderson, and their expected goal share is like 34%. Um, expected goals against three and a half per 60 minutes, actual goals against per 60 minutes over five. Like they're just getting ran over. I suspect that the Pittsburgh top line will do the same. And it is a pretty good power play matchup for the Penguins as well. It is both top lines that I like here. I think Pittsburgh won, even if they come in at 20% on a slate this big, considering the matchup, I think they're still fine to play. I'm going to be honest, though. 
I'm probably not playing Pittsburgh tonight. And if you ask me to play a top line, like the Pitts- Montreal top lines under 15 K they're going to play, like I said, 19 to 22 minutes and they've been playing pretty well. I honestly don't mind Montreal one here. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. I should say that's assuming they go with Anderson Suzuki and Harvey Pinard. They changed to that line during the game last night. We won't know until warmups. Until warmups, yeah. Uh, yeah. I still don't know what I want to do with Pittsburgh one here. I, I like they're fine. I just don't understand why Ricard Raquel's down. Like I understand why he's on the third line. I just don't understand like why they didn't move like Danton Heinen up instead of Alex Nylander. But you know, it is what it is. I feel I mean, like we, we should talk about Nylander pretty quickly, right? Because he's kind of an important player. Um, like he was a highly touted prospect when he was drafted, right? Like this guy was supposed to be like a William Nylander. Obviously, it, he looked like a bust. He's been pretty good in the AHL this season. I think he had 50 points in 55 games, including 25 goals, managing nearly three shots per game. He hasn't looked bad next to Malkin. Like they are generating some offense. Um, I just worry about the defensive side of things. That's all. Yeah. Agreed there. I just, you know, Pittsburgh one's fine. It's just level of ownership here. Let's move to the next one. Detroit Red Wings with a 2.7 total. Heading into Nashville, the Predators have a 3.2 total. Billy Husto is probable. UC Saros is confirmed. I I guess, you know, Detroit's penalty kill has been pretty, pretty bad here, so... I don't mind Tommy Novak, Matt Duchesne, assuming they're together. They're a little bit higher owned than I want them to be. But, like, they're not that expensive. I think that's the route I'm going. Like, the Detroit lines are just – I don't even know if they ran lines this morning, but what they've been in practice has just been nothing there that I really want to play. So, I I think it's Novak, Duchesne, or, you know, nothing really. Yeah, um, there wasn't a morning skate for Detroit yet. Um, last game, they had Pia Suter on the top line. He stayed there basically, I'm pretty sure, all game. They only took him off for one shift or something. So I'm assuming it'll be Pia Suter back on the top line. Uh, you and I have talked about, at length, about the <laughs> Lucas Raymond playing with Dylan Larkin. And, and it wouldn't surprise you that it extends whether P, um, even with Pia Suter on the line, 1.7 expected goals for 2.6 actual goals per 60 minutes of five on five shooting 10.7%. They're shooting something like 28% better than the league average. And they're still only scoring at a league average rate because they're just not generating anything. I mean, you can generate against this Nashville team. Nashville is pretty bad themselves, but they're, you know, facing UC Saros, like, I think it, you know, staying away from Detroit one's a pretty easy play for me. Um, I think one off Dylan Larkin is certainly always in play. I'm just talking about full stacking line. And I'm not full stacking the second line either. <laughs> Cop and Perot have just been terrible together this year. Like that, that Copra Kubalik line, two expected goals, four for 60 minutes, 3.4 against. There's trash. The cop is not an NHL center. I've been saying it since he got traded to the Rangers. Um, so, again, you know, Perron's on the top power play unit. So, if you want a one off David Perron or something like that, I think that's fine. There's just nothing I want to full stack on the Detroit side. On the Nashville side, I'm with you. It's Novak and Duchesne or nothing. 
Um, at least they've been generating something offensively, 2.8 expected goals for per 60 minutes. That's, you know, at least that's over 10% above league average. That's something, um, you know, certainly uh, shooting percentage bender of late has, has helped. Um, they are probably going to play a lot of minutes. I think Duchesne's been at like 22 minutes or something like that over his last four or five games. So because they're going to play heavy minutes, I think it's fine. Luke Evangelista looks like he's going to be back in the lineup tonight. He might be back on the top line. He might not be. Will Tommy Novak even be on the top line? John Hines, baby. That's what I don't like. So, honestly, I think this is another game where I'm not super excited to stack everything, especially where Nashville's top line. Nashville, just in general, is coming with a lot of negative leverage. And, you know, that whole team sucks. You know, they're forwards anyway. So, um, one offset of this game, no stacking. Yeah, agreed. Boston Bruins with a 3.8 total heading into Chicago. Blackhawks have a 2.1 total. Linus Olmark, Linus Olmark, Peter Mrazek confirmed. Make this quick. I have no interest in the Hawks. Nope. Bruins is another interesting conversation. Like, in a nutshell, I like them. And they're cheap ish for Boston one. It's just a minutes thing, really. They just clinched a playoff berth. They're definitely gonna be gliding to the playoffs here. I just, you know, I I, I don't know here. Maybe you, you play some depth here. Like if Bertuzzi's still on the second line, Krejci, Bertuzzi, Pasternak. I don't know. What? He's not. He's not. Fun times. So I, I, I like 3.8 total, not a lot of ownership here. I just have minutes concerns really for the, the Bruins top line. Yeah. Um, I think it is fair to say that there would be a minutes concern here. Um, Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan. But you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The the thing we, I would, you know, we've been seeing it the last couple of shows is like, if Patrice Bergeron ends up playing like 15 to 16 minutes here tonight, it's because Boston won like 6-1, right? If he ends up playing 19 minutes, it's because this is a 4-2 game or something like that. Um, you know, they'll rest them in blowouts. They'll play them when they're not. I, I think that'll pretty much extend to just about every team. Um, you know, you know, yeah, they have locked up a playoff spot, but, you know, they've they've had a playoff spot locked up basically since Christmas, right? Um I was just looking at like some of uh, Bergeron's recent game logs. Like there have been, you know, bad teams where he still played quite a bit. Like, I don't think Ottawa is a bad team, but you know, he played them a few weeks ago. He played almost 20 minutes. 
I played over 17 minutes the other night against Detroit. Like neither are playoff teams, but the games were close. So he played a fair bit of ice time. You know what I mean? Um, Jake DeBrusque on the top line is interesting because it does make them more expensive than it would be if it was, you know, Bertuzzi or something like that. Um, but they have been playing exceptionally well lately. They typically always do. But the difference is, is they're actually scoring. Um, over the last three weeks, they're at five goals per 60 minutes, a five-on-five shooting under 12%. So it's not like a massive shooting percentage bender or anything like that. Um, Brad Marchand's actually playing the most out of all three on the top line, which I didn't really expect. But, um, you know, even he's playing 19 and a half minutes. Like Bergeron's not playing massive minutes, 17 and a half minutes, basically. He still has 3.3 shots per game over his last 10 games. So I, I think Boston 1 is still perfectly fine to play here. Um, again, if you want to make it a power play stack, add in Pasternak or whatever, you know, go right ahead. Boston 3 is what's kind of interesting to me, right? Because, you know, if they do split up the ice time a little bit, the ice time is going to go to the third and fourth lines, and it's going to go to guys like Bertuzzi and Coyle and Frederick, right? So... You know, there's not going to be any ownership on Boston 3. They might play like 14, 15 minutes here tonight. I'm pretty sure a Coyle Bertuzzi 2-man is less than 7,500 on DraftKings anyway. So, you know, if they do end up playing like 15 minutes or something like that, I against this Chicago team, against their bottom six, you know, I don't mind that. So I think it's like Boston 1 or Boston 3 here. I'm not super excited about stacking Boston 2. They're a line that really rides percentages. And Krejci and Zaka just really haven't been shooting the puck. So I think it's Boston 1 or Boston 3 for me. But if I play Boston 3, I'm not three-man stacking. It's more two-man like Bertuzzi and Frederick or Coyle and Bertuzzi, something like that. Yeah, I actually don't mind that Boston 3 call for sure. Um, yeah, the Coyle is 4K on DraftKings, Bertuzzi 3,300, Frederick 2,700. So, I mean – Every Blackhawks line is a third line or worse. So their bottom six is just, yeah. Let's move on to the Ottawa Senators with a three total heading into Edmonton. The Oilers have a four total. Mad Sogard is probable. Stewie Skinner is confirmed. This feels like a pretty important game as well. Um, uh Surprisingly, there I, I was expecting more ownership on the Sun side here, and there just isn't. And there isn't that much on the Oilers here because a lot's going to Pittsburgh, a lot's going to the Sharks, which we'll talk, which we'll talk about later. Like McDavid, you know, fourteen percent is fine. Maybe he'll come in around twenty. He's over. He's ten thousand one hundred, the most expensive skater DraftKings has produced this season. But Leon Drysaddle's down to seventy seven hundred. Zach Hyman's only 7,300. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is 6,100. Just because McDavid's over 10K, the Oilers are fairly affordable compared to what they've been. So, like, one, I like the Senators just from ownership play here. I think it's still a pretty good matchup. Like, yeah, the Oilers have been pretty good defensively, but Stewie Skinner hasn't been great. I, I think you can get to some sense here for sure, but my interest is on the Oilers side. It, I was, I mean, the Oilers and their line combinations are going to be a disaster from here on out, no matter what. And they have been for basically the last month plus. Um, well, I found it funny last game. What they did was basically leave McDavid and Evander Kane together and then Dreisaitl and Ryan Nugent Hopkins together. And then Zach Hyman just played everywhere. 
<laughs> which is like I found that kind of funny. It makes it kind of annoying, but I also don't mind it in the sense that um, you can play Hyman basically in three different kinds of stacks, right? You can just play him on the top line with McDavid and Kane, or you can play him with Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins, or you can play him in some sort of power play stack, right? So it does give you some flexibility. And, you know, I, I do think you want to take advantage of the Ottawa penalty kill here. Not necessarily just the penalty kill, but just the fact that they do take a lot of penalties. Like, I I was look, looking earlier, Ottawa and Edmonton are taking both uh, top five penalty rates, so um, five mo- most penalized teams in the league this season, and they're also both top five by power play opportunities per game. So, like, there should be a lot of special team time uh, in this game. So, we always say focus on the power play guys for Edmonton. I think that's especially important for tonight by the same token Evander Kane played 18 minutes in his first game back and 20 minutes in the last game and that's without a lot of power play time so don't forget about 6300 Evander Kane even if he's not on the power play um but you know Kane and and McDavid haven't been that great together this year that's something that we have to mention 175 minutes together without Leon Draisaitl 2.8 expected goals for 1.8 actual goals for some big finishing problems with McDavid and Kane on the ice. Uh, Like there's no matchup that I would say leans favorably one way or the other, but I would say that the Ottawa second line is a worse defensive line than the top line. And that should be a little bit of a better matchup for Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins. It feels really dumb to leave McDavid off an Oilers stack. And I think that's kind of what they're challenging people to do with their pricing here. It's like you can either play McDavid and maybe one other guy, one expensive player, or you can play all the expensive guys without McDavid, but you probably can't do both. And that's kind of the game that DK is forcing you to play with this Edmonton thing here tonight. But, you know, like you said, Hyman's still, you know, cheap enough where it's not like, prohibitively expensive, right? Um, you know, Hyman and Nugent Hopkins, uh, 13400 You add them together with Connor McDavid, it's only like $1,000 more expensive than Tampa 1. So, and it's right really, on par with like the Devils. Right. Line. So I, I honestly think, you know, Kel Surprise, but I'm a really big fan of the Edmonton side here. Like, and I would be playing... Kelsey Preeze again, I would be playing McDavid. I think this is a tremendous spot for them. And if they, if you can get McDavid and Hyman and Nugent Hopkins or McDavid and Dreisaitl and Kane or something like that in your lineup and the non McDavid guys are in the single digit ownerships, I think you're coming out ahead. So I really do like, you know, McDavid Kane X or McDavid Hyman X or something like that. I think that's kind of the way I would approach Edmonton. The Ottawa side's a little bit trickier here because there's no Thomas Shabbat. He's out for tonight. We're assuming Jacob Chikrin's going to run the top power play unit, but that's not a guarantee. And Shabbat and Chikrin are not the same guy on the power play. Chikrin is more like a Brent Burns, Dougie Hamilton type, um, where he really likes to take the shot and shoot the puck. And Ottawa is not that type of team. They really want to move the puck around try to, you know, get their guys some open shots and not just bomb from the point. So I'm wondering if we don't see Jake Sanderson get get a crack on the top power play unit here. 
And I, again, that's pretty important because um, Edmonton does take a lot of penalties. Their penalty kill is not that great. You know, Ottawa did play without Shabbat earlier this year, and the power play was still fine. Like, I think Sanderson can run it perfectly fine. And, you know, if you look at uh, the ownership for Ottawa, there's really not much of it, like 1% to 2% on either of the top lines. Um, I would probably go to the second line to bring Cap Batherson and Pinto because I think going into the dry settle matchup isn't that bad at all. And uh, you still get two guys on the top power play unit. So for me, it's the Brinkat, Batherson, and Pinto. But, you know, despite some, you know, some more expensive prices, I think it's the Edmonton side I like here by quite a bit. Yeah, I like the Edmonton side too. And I wish, you know, books would release a line that Brady Kachuk and Vander Kane would take matching penalties tonight because that's going to happen. Like, they're going to both be in the box at the same time today. Line it. I want to bet it. Um, but yeah, th- it's going to be a power play fiesta tonight. They- these teams just take a ton of penalties. So both sides are in play, but I prefer Edmonton. If you click the link in the description below, you can get four weeks of NHL from Stochastic for twenty nine ninety eight. Uh, if you click the link in the description below, it uh, automatically populates the code. You don't have to enter code nitrous or code hardwood or Whatever it is, it automatically populates. And you get access to everything that we have to offer. Projections, ownership, lineup builder, rankings, and our expert Discord, which is, you know, very, very valuable as well. That is the top stacks tool, which we use all the time. Shows leverage, ownership. Here is the builder, which is invaluable, especially if you're someone who only builds one to three lineups or even five lineups. You can ex- you can build them and export um, it give, and if you are a premium member, it gives you lines, line projections, individual projections, uh, ownership projections, all that. So it is a very, very good tool. Also, the Discord, invaluable. Lots of sharp minds in there, will, more than willing to help. So click that link in the description below. Get your four weeks of NHL for 50% off. Calgary Flames, 3.8 total, heading into Arizona. The Coyotes have a 2.6. Jacob Markstrom is probable. Connor Ingram is confirmed. I believe Brett Ritchie is still on the top line with Schmaltz out. I didn't see news before we went on the air, but I see a goalie confirmed. Uh, I'm assuming Schmaltz is still out. Yeah, Schmaltz is out. Yeah, so Brett <laughs> Brett Ritchie. I, these Ritchie brothers, man. Nick Ritchie gets traded for Brett Ritchie. Brett Ritchie is now on the top line. Nick Ritchie. Nick Ritchie goes to the second line. <laughs> Like, I, and before that, they just weren't playing. So, fun times. Can't, I, I personally can't believe Calgary looks like they might miss playoffs. What could poss- what possibly could have happened there? Anyways. Jake Markstrom uh, is back, baby. No, he's, I mean, he's actually looked a little bit better, but he's having an awful season. <laughs> Brett Ritchie, the most, the highest owned projected player in this game. Like, give me a break here. Uh, like, Barrett Hayton's look good. I just I, I don't know if I want to get to Arizona one here. They're probably I, I say probably they are negative leveraged here. I think for me it's probably like to Foley Lindholm Peltier. Like they're coming in with the lowest ownership here. It's a good power play matchup. Arizona takes a bunch of penalties. So I know they split the power play units. And if you want to go to Kadri Dubay, Huberdo, by all means. 
do it, but I'm going to go to the lower ownership here, fully correlated line. It, again, if you want to go to back on Coleman Mangiapane, very good five-on-five five matchup. I, I just kind of want to take advantage of some type of power play here. I wish there wasn't split units and they focused on one units, but beggars can't be choosers. And I like the Toffoli line. Yeah, I'm no interest in Arizona one without Schmaltz. Um, Keller's played over 400 minutes this season without him, and his expected goals for without him is like 37%. And his goal scoring rate is league average. So you're asking me to play you're you're asking me to play a 10% league average line against once one of the best defensive teams in the league. Uh, like, no, come on. So out on Arizona one. I think Arizona two is kind of playable if only because they're so cheap, like Arizona two, I think is definitely one of those lines you put in with Edmonton. Um, They have been playing well, at least offensively 3.1 expected goals for 4.4 actual goals for since Jack McBain got to that line, like all well above average offensive numbers. And they all played over 20 minutes last game with Schmaltz out of the lineup. And that's without top power play time. I don't mind that Arizona second line, especially like some sort of two man, like, you know, McBain Krause or something like that. If you're trying to get to like the really expensive Edmonton guys on the Calgary side, I'm with you. I do want at least some pieces of the top of a power play unit. I guess there isn't such, such a thing as a top power play unit for, um, for Calgary anymore because Arizona really just does take a lot of penalties and their penalty kill. Uh, is not that strong. So I'm going to go with uh, the Calgary top line, Peltier, um, Lindholm, and Toffoli. Those guys um, all skate together on the Rasmus Anderson power play unit. They don't have a big sample together yet, but in a small sample, 88 shot attempts generated per 60 minutes with Peltier there. That's just a monster, monster offensive number. The problem is, is that they're spreading around ice time. Um like their top three lines, they're all going to play between like 14 and 19 minutes. It's a bit of an issue. And you might actually see like Michael Backlund lead them in ice time. So I think it's the Toffoli Lindholm Peltier line just because I want to get all three guys on the power play. They have been playing well. And I think they might get that Schmaltz matchup, which isn't really a concern. Or not the Schmaltz, the Keller one. Even though last game they did run out um, that Kraus McBain, Michelli line. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But they haven't been good defensively either, so there's not a matchup I'm really worried about for the top six for for Calgary. So it is a Peltier line I like here. All three guys on the same power play unit. Arizona, bad penalty kill, takes a lot of penalties. Calgary one. 
It's a little bit different with that Calgary line, right? They're only 15-5 on DraftKings. They play 1,600 or 16 minutes. It's baked baked into the price. Like Boston won. Those guys might play 16, 17 minutes, and they're 19 and change. So it's baked into the price there. I don't mind that. Uh, Jacob Peltier doesn't look out of place where he is, which is nice to see. No. Here's another important game I feel like. Jake hinted at. It's Dallas one night for him. <laughs> Dallas Stars with a 3.5 total heading into Vancouver. The Canucks have a three total. Uh, Dallas Stars won last night. They beat Seattle. So with um, Ottinger, so it's probably going to be the Dallas version of Matt Murray. And then Thatcher Demko also probable. Dallas top line around 4% here. Dallas second line, who had a big game yesterday, the Wyatt Johnson Ben line, one percent. The third line didn't have like the best DFS game, but I don't know. Like I can't imagine Sagan being out. Like really hurts Marchment. Like since Domi got there, Marchment's numbers have gotten so much better. Like Ty Delandria is fine, twenty six hundred. It is what it is. Like there are three playable lines for Dallas here tonight. The Canucks. The only line I would want to play is Patterson, Bovillier, Kuzmenko. Bovillier, not on the top power play unit, kind of sucks. But, you know, they're coming in one and a half, two percent 2%. I don't mind taking stabs on them either. Yeah. Um, the problem with the Dallas lines is something that we mentioned in the Discord, and it's the ice time that they've been getting. Um, if anybody wants to look, uh, basically just since um, – um, the trade deadline, sorry. I don't know why it took me a second to spit that out. But basically, just since the trade deadline, they're, all their players, all their important players, are basically playing within 14 to 17 minutes a night. Like, their last five games, the the leader amongst forwards in ice time is Jason Robertson at 17-11 and no other forward over 17 minutes. Big problem. That's a problem for 20K. Like, you just brought up Cal. Calgary and their ice time kind of at 15,500 Dallas one. They're still being priced as if they're going to play 19 minutes here tonight. And maybe they will because, you know, things do change on, on a nightly basis. Um, they have, you know, been scoring quite a bit, which I think is kind of the reason why they've been rolling their lines. Um, you know, Jason Robertson does have 44 shots over his last 10 games, even as his ice time has been declining. Like they're still generating quite a bit of offense. Um, you know, Thatcher Demko's looked a lot better since he came back, uh, from injury. Maybe he was playing with that uh, nagging injury before he got hurt. And that's why his numbers were kind of taking a dive, but yeah, with the ownership here, it's hard not to love Dallas one, mostly because of the power play, right? Vancouver's penalty kill is still pretty bad. They don't take a ton of penalties, but the penalty kill itself is still very bad. Um, Dallas's top power play unit still very, very good. I'm fine with Dallas one here. Very playable. I'm with Jake. I think they're one of the top lines, especially one of the top lines under 20K on the slate here tonight. If I'm if I'm d- diving down to the depth for Dallas, good alliteration there. Wasn't really uh, planning that one, but not bad. Um, it, it would be the Ben Johnston to Donoff line. Ben's on the top power play unit. They've been playing really well since the Donoff got there. 3.3 expected goals for 2.4 against since, since he arrived. They've been playing well. You know, maybe they end up with some third line matchups at some point, but they might run into that. I think the problem with that Ben 
the Donoff line is they might run into that Beauvillier Pedersen line, and that's a matchup that I think favors Vancouver, which is one of the reasons why I wouldn't be so super hot on Ben Johnston to Donoff. Yeah, if you want to do like a Domi Marchman two man, I think that's fine. But I, I I think this game's about the Dallas top line, just because of Vancouver's penalty kill. Yeah. Their penalty kill is atrocious. New York Islanders with a 2.6 total heading into Los Angeles. The Kings have a 2.9 total. Ilya Sorokin has been confirmed, I believe. Junis Koprisal is probable. I have not seen news on Fiala. If he is in, I would imagine he goes to the third line anyway. They did say um, Arthur Kaliev is back tonight. Okay, so... Um... And Fiala's out. Sorry. They're saying Fiala could be back by the weekend. So I would imagine Kaliev comes in on the fourth line. Not a huge DFS impact, but he might be on the second power play unit. I don't know. This this game is just tough from both sides here. I like the goalies here. Like, there's not an Islanders line that I want to stack. Like, this Kings... The Kings with Kopitar, Byfield, Kempe to know Arvidsson more. That is just a brutal matchup for these Islanders lines. If anything, I'm going to the Kings, and I'll probably just go to Deneau, Arvidsson more just because they're cheaper. They get a little bit of secondary power by time, not that it, it matters. Um, and the Islanders just aren't great defensively. It's just a matter of Sorokin bailing them out. Yeah, I facing Sorokin kind of sucks here because, you know, this isn't a matchup I think does it? I think it favors the Kings everywhere except in net. And when you're talking about DFS, uh, being not being favored with the goalie matchup, it sucks. And um, Byfield was moved to the top power play unit without Fiala, which I think is important because not only does it give him more ice time in general, but it gives him the top that top power play role. But by the same token, I like I'm a big fan of Quinn Byfield and the way he's been playing for like the last two to three months, basically. Um, he's not the same offensive player that Fiala is on a power play, right? That's just, like, he's just not at that point yet. So if you're taking Fiala's offensive prowess off the power play and replacing with Quinton Byfield, it's like, does it really help him? Like, yes, more power play time is always better than no power play time. I'm just wondering about the actual quality of the minutes that he'll be getting, because I don't know if that unit's going to be very good without Fiala there. They weren't very good earlier this season. It's only been something that's really turned around over the last six weeks. So I'm with you. I'd probably dip down to the Kings' second line, Arvidsson, Deneau, and Moore. Um, They're actually going to be going – I imagine they'll go into the uh, Horvat-Bailey matchup. And Bailey, like we talk about it often, he makes every single line he's on worse defensively and sometimes by a lot. And in this case, it's by a lot. 3.1 expected goals against per 60 minutes with Bailey on – uh, next to Horvat. I think it's a pretty good matchup for Kings too. They're not one of my favorite fillers. In fact, I'm not super high on stacking anything in this game, to be honest. If I were to stack anything, it would be that Kings second line. They've been, they, you know, they just don't, they just need some shooting percentage luck. Trevor Moore is not a great shooter. I don't think Arvidsson at this point is a great shooter either. So that's a volume thing. Um, I don't think you have to full play all three of them. You can leave one of them off, but it would be Kings too. I think it's a better five on five matchup. They've been getting more ice time of late, um, but there's really not a lot that I'm excited about stacking in this game. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I like the goalies in this game. Let's get to the late hammer of the evening, which is just an absolute circus. 
Columbus Blue Jackets with a 3.1 total heading into San Jose. The Sharks have a 3.5 total. Daniil Tarasov is probable. Capo Kakinen confirmed. There's just an insane ownership on the Sharks tonight, um, mostly because it's price-driven. They fit with the Oilers. They fit with the Devils. They fit with Tampa. They fit with, you know, Pittsburgh. The Couture Bear Banoff Andreas Janssen line coming in around 20%. The Hurdle Zetterland Eklund line coming in over 15%. I just don't want to play the Sharks here at that ownership. And then you look at the Columbus side, there just isn't much ownership here. I kind of want to play them, but like, it's the Blue Jackets. (laughs) (laughs) So, what what are you doing with this game? It feels like you're walking into a torture chamber and the executioner is asking you which of your to- which torturing instrument do you want me to use, right? <laughs> like um so we we're starting to get a meaningful somewhat meaningful sample with the guys that were brought in around the trade deadline. The trade deadline was 10 days ago. A lot of guys were brought in well before that. Um so we're getting we're up to about 60 minutes with Thomas Hurdle and William Eklund playing together. They're getting run over defensively. 4.2 expected goals against for 60 minutes in their 60 minutes uh, together. Um, 6.2 actual goals against as the goaltending for San Jose has really been shaky uh, for uh, several weeks now. Um, I will say Hurdle's picked up the shooting slack since Meyer left, which is something I was wondering if it would happen at all, but it has. Um, Hurdle has 21 shots over his last five games. Uh, so they have reasonable offensive numbers together. 2.8 expected goals for, you know, Eklund's been playing like 19, 20 minutes since he got called up. You get two of them on the top power play unit. San Jose second line, like Couture and Janssen are up to 2.9 expected goals for in their limited sample together. You know, Couture is 25 shots on goal with nine points in his last 10 games. So, you know, they're still doing stuff, even though they got carved out with Meyer leaving. Um, but it's the ownership, like you said. Like it feels like that Nashville game a week ago when that when you know Matthew Shane was like twenty four percent on a ten game slate or something like that. And it's like, no, I'm just not. Once again, if you know Fabian Zetterlin buries me tonight, I'll probably be asleep. First of all, mercifully, and second of all, again, tip of the cap to Fabian Zetterlin or you know uh, Alex Barabanov or whatever. Go ahead and bury me. It's the Columbus side that I have a lot more interest in, and it's it's ownership. Yeah, they're a couple thousand dollars more expensive, but they're also like literally a fraction of the ownership, like 20% or 10% the ownership uh, of San Jose. Um, And Patrick Laine and Marchenko haven't played much together this year, but they do have pretty good offensive numbers and a limited sample together. 65 shot attempts generated per 60 minutes in, you know, I think about four games worth of ice time together. Again, it's not much, but it's something. And something's better than what this Columbus Blue Jackets team has done <laughs> for most of the season. Uh, and you get Line and Marchenko on the top power play unit together. Um, I think if I'm going to play anything, it would be Line, Marchenko, and Rosovic, which feels weird to say leaving a, 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 a playing a Columbus stack without Johnny Goodrow on it. But like, let's face facts Goodrow has 20 shots in his last 10 games. He's just really not doing anything. I wouldn't. Like you hate to say a professional athlete has given up, but is he really st- like, could he just not care about the season anymore? Like I really wouldn't blame him. Um, 
it is the second line. Like line A's uh, six goals in his last 10 games, two out of three guys on the top power play unit, Marchenko and line A, at least in a small sample have generated something. It's it's more than, you know, basically every other line in this game can say. So I'll avoid the Sharks ownership. I'll go to the Columbus second line. I'll go line A, Marchenko, Rozovic. At the very least, I think, you know, line A's one-offable, Marchenko's one-offable, that type of thing. Yeah, the only chalk Sharks line I would play, I, I would have played this season is Hurdle Meyer X. Yeah. Like, and even then, it, it was, ugh. but yeah, Sharks ownerships is too disgusting. Yeah. Coming up after us at four o'clock, we have the Odd Shop on the Odd Shopper channel at 4 p.m. with Lafay and Ben. They go over all today's best bets using the Odd Shopper premium tools. So make premium tools. So make sure to stick around for that. We have to talk about some D-man and Gleaser. Some interesting choices, some power play quarterback choices that we can make on the blue line here tonight. Who are you liking? Yeah, I, I mean, Roman Yossi, right? Like, he's the he's the first guy that I wrote down on my list. Um, he's been kind of... I think... Lately, but. Yeah, I think... I, I mean, I think a lot of that's just his team. And I guess it makes sense. I think Adam Fox kind of makes sense, too. He's been running both ends of the power play unit. Uh, or at least he did last game. And there's not going to be much ownership on him. Like he's not a guy that I'm super. I would be super excited about playing, but I think he's a nice contrarian option considering it doesn't look like people are going to be playing a lot of Rangers here tonight. Shea Theodore from Vegas as well. Not super high on Vegas, but at least Theodore's been shooting the puck a little bit over his last handful of games. Uh, in the middle price range, I think there's three guys that basically stand above the rest, and it's Orlov, Latang, and Bouchard. Um, Orlov PP1 for Boston going into Chicago. Latang PP1 for Mont- uh, at home against Montreal. Bouchard PP1 at home against Ottawa. Um, other than that, uh, you know, Jake Sanderson, I think he might be worth a flyer. Noah Hannafin uh, for Calgary. He's generally better with peripherals uh, than Anderson is, and he's getting power play time now as well. Um, and Mike Matheson for Montreal. Like, this guy's. Played pretty well since he came back from injury. Game odds are ridiculous. Yeah. I I want to play Neil Pionk. I don't think Josh Morrissey makes it through the game. I don't know. I don't know if people watch that game on the weekend. He left because he couldn't skate anymore. That's how bad his hip was hurt. It looked like his hip. You know, it might be like his hamstring or his quad or something like that. Like he was chasing down a guy on a breakaway and just gave up. Like seeing an NHL player give up on a back check, that's when you know it's bad. And that's when he Not left my North candidate. And he did and he didn't come back. And now he's supposed to be ready two days later. I'm not gonna play Pionk because it's a pretty bad matchup. But I think there's a chance he ends up playing like 28 minutes here tonight because Josh Morrissey leaves after like the third shift or something like that. Yeah. Um. So that would be my mid price guys for uh like bargain for like sub three like three k on DraftKings. John Marino, Zach Whitecloud, Kyle Burrows are the guys that I'm focusing on. Uh, for other cheap guys, Matias Ekholm from Edmonton, uh, Rasmus Sandin obviously from Washington, Brett Pesci, Carolina, <laughs> Eric Goodbranson from Columbus, uh, and Matt Benning uh, from San Jose. He's still getting over twenty minutes, still under three k. Yeah. Not too much to add there. 
Adam Bacquist, 3,500 running the top power play for Columbus. Their power play is kind of poopers, but this is a pretty good matchup. Daniil Tarasov confirmed while we were while you were talking about defensemen there. Who you liking in net? Um, I like Connor Ingram at home to Calgary. Yeah. Um, I think people might be surprised. Some of his numbers are better than Vimalka's this year, depending on what you're looking at. Don't let don't let the the Coyote slappies hear that. Um, Ilya Sorokin, obviously, anytime he's relatively cheap on the road, I'll play him. I think Thatcher Demko is an interesting play at home to Dallas. I, Jake, please don't, please turn it off. But I think Thatcher Demko, at his price, the way he's playing, he's typically been a very good goalie. He had a bad like two month stretch this season, where I think it's fair to wonder if he was playing injured. Uh, Stewie Skinner at home, I think he's my you know eight K plus goalie that I would focus in on at home to Ottawa. Um, that's about it for me in goal. Do you have anyone? Uh, there was one 8K that I was interested. Where did it go? Uh, Linus Olmark, I guess, has like shutout upside. I think that's more of a cash play than GPP. UC Saros was the guy, 8K at home to Detroit. I think 8K is all right, considering, you know, you just hope he doesn't give up three, but he's going to see a bunch of volume. Yeah. You like him for your hat trick pick? Uh, I don't know if this qualifies as spicy or not because he is relatively expensive, but I'm going to go with Nico Hish here. That is a nice pick. I'm going super spicy. <laughs> Can't believe th- these words are going to be uttered out of my mouth. Matias Maselli. <laughs> trick pick. Does he have three goals this year? <laughs> Tripling his total for the season tonight. <laughs> I like it. I like it, though. I, I really like Pacelli as a player. I, I, I really, really do. Um, you, and you Arizona's hope, fun to watch. Let's see what they can do. The Coyotes start spending money. They won't, but they start spending money in the next year or two. But, you know, it can be a pretty good team with Matthews and Bedard. But that's for another time. <laughs> um, we will be back on Thursday. Uh, good luck, everybody. Make sure to smash that like button on the way out. Click those links in the description. Get those promos. And we'll see you in Discord. Good luck, everybody. Good luck tonight, everyone. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, saver. Whether you're saving for that trip to the tropics or saving for an emergency, now is the time to take advantage of Wells Fargo Savings Options. Wells Fargo offers savings accounts that can help you save towards your goals. So, what are you saving for? Visit a Wells Fargo branch or wellsfargo.com backslash save to open a savings account today. Wells Fargo Bank N.A. Member FDIC. 